I'm not sure that worked. Maybe it did. I'm using a new software. Okay. The intro did not go as planned, but that is a sneak peek. It was made by Mike Mintz. Shout out. You can find his information in the description. Next week, it's going to look nicer. That was my fault for not integrating it properly, but we're upgrading our production quality. Welcome, everybody, to The Great Debate. A pleasure to have you here. Not a debate where both sides work to defeat one another, rather a debate where both sides work to come together to find common ground. Today, we have a fiery one, a very exciting episode with two fierce activists fighting for very different causes, one advocating for Jewish empowerment and sovereignty over the entire land, while the other focused on ensuring equal rights to all inhabitants of the land. Tonight's topic, Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state, not Israel's right to exist, Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state. Can Israel be both Jewish and democratic? Is that possible? What does that look like? Does it need to be that? I'm going to bring on both the guests. Why am I getting blown up? Is it? Yeah, okay. My Jesse, I see your texts. I should have put my phone on silent. Anyways, uh, Malka and Ariel, what's up? Great to have hey. you here. Sorry for a slightly bumpy intro. <laughs> every, I liked every it. Time, it was low key. Yeah, look, every time I try to use like a, a new uh, software or a new... Um, Intro, uh, you know, there's a learning curve. If anybody's out there wants to be a technical intern, we have great interns that are helping us grow this project. Reach out to me. Now, before we get started, I just want to let you know we're going to chat for around an hour, an hour and a half. Our goal is going to be to find common ground. I realize there's a huge ideological difference. At the very least, it's going to be an educational purpose. It's going to be for educational purposes for our audience. And um, maybe we'll all learn something new, us, us here as well. So that, that, that's really the goal. We're going to have an after party in Discord. For those unfamiliar with Discord, I won't share too much about it, but it's going to be a conversation just like this where everyone can join, contribute, ask your guest questions. Jesse, if you could please drop the Discord link um, in the chat, that'd be awesome. And uh, before we get started, a quick shout out to our Patreon members or Patreon visionary members. We have Trivium Energy PTYLTD. That's a green energy company in Australia. Then we have SOG Cannabis. That's a green company in California. And Max Marine. And a shout out to our other patrons. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can find a link in the description. It's great to have you here. Um, I, I feel like this intro has gone enough. I, I normally read the bios, but I kind of gave a brief, a brief. You're cool if I don't read off your bios, right? I, I feel like you're both well-known enough. Awesome. So we're talking about Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state. Malka, the floor will be yours first. Does okay. Israel have a right to exist as a Jewish state? Well, thank you so much, Adar. Really, it's, it's a big honor to be here tonight. And uh, it's an honor also to uh, come up uh, against the mighty Ariel Gold, who is uh, such a powerful force for uh, anti-Israel sentiment on Twitter. Um, and I am her number one troll, by the way. For those of you who've been following our relationship for a long time, you know that she has she has knighted me her number one troll. So I'm very honored to uh, be with her, not face-to-face, -face, but screen-to-screen. -screen. Um, I just want to uh, also say how very 
especially honored and proud I am to be sitting here in my family home in the rolling hills of Judea. Um, the first person um, in my family for 2,000 years who's been able to sit securely in the land of Israel. Um, but today I'm really here to represent the 600,000 Jews of Judea, Samaria, and Eastern Jerusalem. Incidentally, approximately the same number of people, uh, of Jews, who were living in the whole land of Israel um, when we declared our independence in 1948. Um, and I'm here to stand up to our opponents, um, to the people who want to destroy us, once again, um, to declare our full um, and unquestionable rights to the land of Israel. For myself, ever since I made Aliyah, I've had the um, profound and kind of unusual merit to live only in biblical cities. Um, I've lived um, from the north in Samaria to Jerusalem, and now I live in Judea. Um, we started our life in Israel together, me and my husband Ishai, um, who is the spokesperson for the Jewish community of Hebron. Um, but we started our life off together in Beit El. Um, for those of you who are uh, history or Bible buffs, you will remember that Beit El is the place where Jacob had his dream of angels going up and down a ladder. He had been running away from his brother Esav, um, a liar who wanted to kill him uh, for the birth for his birthright, um, the birthright which was rightfully Jacob's that that Esav was going to steal, and. Uh, Ishai and I, we lived in Beit El for seven years. I gave birth to my first child there. We lived in a caravan. We had a dog. We had a cool little car. I had a little garden. Um, and I started there, my life in Israel, to understand the promise that God gave to Jacob. And I want to read to you the, the promise that God gave to Jacob in that dream that he had in Beit El. Um, just shortly, it says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land upon which you are lying, to you I will give it and to your seed. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall burst forth westward and eastward and northward and southward, and through, through you shall be blessed all the families of the earth and through your seed. And behold, I am with you, and I will guard you wherever you go, and I will restore you to this land, for I will not forsake you until I have done what I have spoken concerning you. I still get choked up when I read that. Um, so after Beit El because I feel that we are really living it today, that we are living that miracle. Um, after Beit El, we moved to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, um, which is which is an incredible community of uh, very amazing, uh, strong Jews. Um, and there we lived adjacent to the Mount of Olives Cemetery, which is the oldest Jewish cemetery in the entire world. Uh, it's 3,000 years old, and some of Israel's most esteemed people are buried on the Mount of Olives. Uh, we merited to live in an apartment which was right across from uh, Mount Moriah. So we lived on the Mount of Olives, but we lived right across from Mount Moriah, which is the Temple Mount. And there we got to really get a sense of the magnetism of that place, um, not just for Jewish people, but also for non-Jewish lovers of Israel and also for non-Jewish non-lovers of Israel. It's really um, the spiritual epicenter of the entire world. There we also got to know a little bit more uh, we lived very, very closely, very uh, in close space, I guess, with um, Arabs in eastern Jerusalem. The, the community we lived in is in the Ras Al Amud neighborhood. And uh, we really got to get a sense more of the Arab street, what people are dealing with from their own leadership, what people are dealing with vis-a-vis -vis Israel, um, and what prospects for peace between Arabs and Jews really looks like. Um, but now 
for the last three years, Ishai and I and our family of now Baruch Hashem, three children, have been living in Judea. And I feel that in a sense, we've really completed a cycle um, where we've really traveled the road kind of of our ancestors um, and rooted ourselves in this place that our ancestors and have fought for and, and Jews throughout the centuries have have prayed for and yearned for and dreamed of. And uh, and now we're we're here doing it. Um, but you should know that with all the things that I said, and, and a lot of you know me from my activism on social media and from the radio show I do with Yishai, the, the Yishai Fleischer Israel podcast, a lot of you know me for activism, but the truth is I'm just a regular person. And, you know, I, I live with a, in a regular family in a regular community. Um, I like to make gourmet popcorn. I've been dabbling in peanut butter popcorn recently. And we're really just uh, a regular people who just want to live a simple, good life. And it's our right to do that. It's our right to do that in our in this land. We are indigenous to this land. Um, we definitely earned the right through our blood, sweat, and tears through Babylonians, Romans, Crusaders, Mamluks, Turks, the Brits, um, and sidelined, of course, by the Germans. Uh, and we have a lot of haters against us, but we never fully left this land. And those of us who managed to hang on with their claws to this land did it for the rest of us who were exiled um, unjustly from our land. And now we're all back together again um, through what I perceive to be great miracles and what anyone can perceive to be incredible hard work and determination on the part of the Jewish people. And we're learning to be a people again um, on our land. Um, and uh, I just want to say, you know, the Jewish people, we have a right to the land of Israel. Uh, we're rebuilding our third commonwealth. We're learning about uh, Jewish laws pertaining to the land. You know, some of our Torah laws are directly, several of our Torah laws are directly tied into the land and our mitzvot, which are commandments that we can't do outside the land of Israel. Um, and I just want to finish up really with uh, with one with one beautiful quote um, that really kind of, I feel like, encapsulates what the state of Israel is today. Um, it's actually by Charles Krautheimer, not by a big rabbi, um, but I think it's beautiful. He says, Israel is the very embodiment of Jewish continuity. It is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and worships the same God that it did 3,000 years ago. You dig the soil and you find pottery from Davidic times, coins from Bar Kokhba, and 2,000-year-old scrolls written in a script remarkably like the one that today advertises ice cream at the corner candy store. So in conclusion, yes, um, I believe that uh, the, the might of God has brought us back to the land of Israel and the incredible um, fortitude of the Jewish people and the yearning of the Jewish people has brought us back. Um, my friends and I here in Judea, Samaria, Eastern Jerusalem, and really throughout the state of Israel are prepared to uh, continue to shine our light out to, into the world and not disappoint all the people out there who really see our return to the land of Israel as, uh, as a great miracle, as a great inspiration, as a great opportunity to enjoy prosperity in this region and all around the world. Thank you so much, Malka. Ariel, the floor is yours. Sure. Since Malka started off with some very old history and her own personal history, I'm going to uh, begin as well with some history, the history of the city of Hebron. 
where she lives. Um, and you can see behind her the Ibrahimi Mosque, um, an ancient and holy place for all three Abrahamic religions. Well, so let, let's go back. Um, Hebron was, was captured by Israel in the 1967 war. And uh, many of the Palestinians who were there, including very dear friends of mine, their families um, had to hide in the caves um, around Hebron in the Hebron Hills, and then eventually were able to come back to the city. Now, settlers moved into the city um, by originally pretending to be tourists at a local hotel and then taking over the city. Um, and in 1994 is really when the city of Hebron became famous. Now, I wanna begin by saying that Hebron is the only city in the occupied West Bank that has illegal Israeli settlers. Um, settlers are illegal under international law. Israel can disregard international law and the United Nations all that it wants. But uh, according to international law and according to most countries in the world, they're legal. Um, Hebron is the only city in the West Bank where illegal settlers live inside the Palestinian city. Um, and the, the settlements are inside the city, so they're embedded inside the Palestinian population. And that's particularly true for the old city of Hebron, where the Ibrahim Mosque is. Um, and you can have settlers living right next door to Palestinians. Now, these settlers, around 600 of them, those numbers may have changed since um, my last update. Uh, Left saw the, the numbers, um, are protected by around 12,000, 1,200 Israeli soldiers. There are over 20 checkpoints inside the city for Palestinians. And the way that it became this way was in 1994. So in 1994, Brooklyn-born um, Israeli settler Baruch Goldstein entered the Ibrahimi Mosque, which at the time uh, was only a mosque entered the Ibrahimi Mosque uh, and shot and killed 20, I think it's 26 Palestinians or 29 Palestinians in worship. A, a horrible uh, hate crime by any measure, I, I would imagine, and we talked about commonality here, I would imagine that the horror of this particular uh, massacre um, is something that Malka and I hopefully would agree with, that this, that this was a real tragedy and, and a real horror. But Israel responded to this um, act of terrorism, uh, not by protecting Palestinian lives, not by cracking down on the Kahanist movement, which is what Baruch Goldstein is a part of, which is the equivalent of the uh, Jewish KKK, um, and we're watching, you know, the, the rise of, of Nazism right now here in the United States, um, responded to it not by cracking down on that rise of hatred in Nazism, but instead by closing the majority of the city, the main marketplace, and the main street, Shuhada Street, to Palestinians and dividing the mosque in half so that half of it was made into a synagogue. Today, Hebron, where Melka lives, I used to travel there once or twice a year until um, Israel banned me for supporting equality and for associating with Palestinians. Um, I used to travel to there once or twice a year. And you know, the first time I went there, 
I cried the whole time. Like I, I took a tour of the city. It was just a couple hours. And then we got on the bus and went back to uh, Jerusalem. But I just sobbed. I was, I couldn't imagine this type of violence and racism. I couldn't imagine apartheid seeing it visibly, even though I'd heard about it, even though they had prepped us for it. I just couldn't conceive of it. In Hebron, there are literally roads that are divided in two one side for Jewish settlers, like Malka, or one side for Israelis, I should say, Israelis or internationals, and the other side for Palestinians, and sometimes even Muslims. I was there once with an American Muslim who got sent on to the Palestinian side while I got sent on to the Jewish side. This is a city where, where you see apartheid as a regular reality, and this is what Malka is defending. So if this is the Jewish state that, uh, and the question is whether or not it has the right to exist, it's a Jewish apartheid state. It's a Jewish racist state. It's a um, disgrace to our ancestors. It's a disgrace to our values, to our ethics, to our religion, to uh, what my son spoke about as he became a bar mitzvah, to a uh, loving neighbor. It, it, it is a disgrace to... Um, what we believe in as Jews. And so many, uh, when they see Hebron for the first time, have the same revulsion as I did. And uh, this is really, that's why it's called, Hebron is called a flashpoint city in the West Bank, because it really shows what this system of apartheid from the river to the sea, as Betselem just came out with, what it really um, uh is composed of and what its end game is, which is just straight out apartheid and then ethnic cleansing. Great, thank you, Ariel. So- I think you're muted. I, am I muted? No? Not anymore. Okay, interesting. So I wanna kind of focus into the conversation to, to areas where I think we could potentially bridge the gap. So for example, Monka spoke a lot about um, religion and, and historic connection. And I'm very happy that our audience got to hear that narrative. I don't think that's something that's going to convince Ariel. Ariel mentioned things like international law. I know that the common view is, in, you know, international law shouldn't, won't supersede Israeli law because we need to look out for ourselves. We can't trust the international community. That's a bridge I don't think we're going to gap today. So I do want to focus on areas where I think we could potentially bridge. So Malka, we agree that I agree with you that it's great that we have a Jewish state, a place where we could self-determine, where we could be safe. Perhaps the reasons are quite different. Ariel's main concerns, and these are my concerns as well, is that it, it poses a, a human rights issue, that in order for us to be secure and free, that comes at the expense of the Palestinians. Do you see a way in which we can have our national aspirations in a way that Palestinians can also have equal rights or their national aspirations? Uh, that's a great question. And I think that that is one of the like the biggest questions that people um, uh, do you hear me? I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, am I yeah. muted? Yeah, okay. no, we hear you. I, I think that's one of the biggest questions that people are asking today. And there's a lot of... Um, guilt that some people feel about the idea that there's going to be a Jewish state and yet there are these other people and they don't have a state. Um, I'm here to try and help assuage that guilt for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, 
Um, there, there, you know, there's a really a lot, a lot of history that goes with who was in this region and when. Um, we could go, you know, there are whole semesters and universities that are dedicated and giant books that are dedicated. But very, very briefly, um, for around 1917, Arabs started a big influx into Israel. There were, of course, Arabs here in the in the region. I'm not here to suggest that there weren't. But there was a major influx of Arabs into this region from Egypt, from Syria, from Jordan. Um, they came um, under the under, they started to come under the Turks and then under the British mandate to fill for jobs and things that the British needed. Um, the war happened in 1948. Um, in which um, Israel declared its independence. There were big questions about um, who, uh, about did Israel forcibly expel people? According to reports uh, by the British, some 70% of Arabs left on, on their own um, because they had received um, information or encouragement, I guess, from Arab countries that were planning to destroy the Jewish state or the n- newfound Jewish state. Um, that they should leave so that they can cleanse the area of Jews and then they'll come back and they'll be able to live wherever and they'll be able to take the spoils of the war. Happens to be that they weren't able to fulfill that promise to those people. And so those people, um, some of them did end up being allowed to return and some of them didn't. A lot of them went to Jordan. Then um, Jordan basically, uh, some time went by um, and Jordan... Uh, the 1967 Six-Day War happened. Um, in the midst of all that, Jordan occupied what Ariel would call the West Bank, I would call Judea and Samaria. And, uh, and these people, basically, we had the Six-Day War. Um, Israel liberated the lands uh, in 1967. The people who were in the lands at the time were Jordanians. Um, and then after the Six-Day War, Israel, being such a young country, was kind of I think in shock from itself, didn't know what to do with the local populations, dealt with the, uh, with still the rage of uh, local Ar- Arab uh, countries, dealt with the rage, uh, and shock of the international community who suddenly saw that the Jewish state went from being a bunch of Holocaust survivors who needed blankets thrown around their shoulders to an un- incredible, uh, miraculous army. And, uh, a population was formed of people who, um, were left in the middle of all this. And one place in which I think that Ariel and I can find common ground is that um, Israel made some profound mistakes. From that point, um, and Israel continues to make profound mistakes. I would never suggest to you that Israel has done everything right up until this point. Um, And I think that Israel has um, contributed to the problem of what Ariel will call a refugee problem, uh, but I will call more of a stateless problem. Um, and the biggest thing that we did wrong was to suggest to the Jordanians that they could stay um, that, and that possibly there would be some kind of rights given for a state. Um, in the 1980s, all these people who Ariel calls Palestinians um, were, in fact, Jordanians. They had Jordanian citizenship up until the 1980s when King Abdullah started to withdraw um, their citizenship, basically taking it away, making them stateless. And so basically, Jordan, it was sort of as if Jordan gave birth to a baby, left it on our doorstep, and then took off. 
And Israel was left with this big population. And because Jews are a good people and a merciful people, we don't just expunge people from the land. And as we can see here from our discussion, um, the, the, um, the impulses of Jews toward humanitarianism can take many different forms. My humanitarian effort toward the Palestinian uh, people who call themselves Palestinian people today would be to liberate them from their horrible oppressive authority, the Palestinian Authority. And I know Ariel also agrees with me um, that the Palestinian Authority is a corrupt and a really, uh, I'll teach you all a Hebrew word, dafuk, okay? It's a really messed up um, okay, entity. Yeah. Um, I would I would try to liberate them from from that situation. And I would force Jordan to give them back their Jordanian citizenship. I mean, what they did taking away the nationality of like so many people is completely immoral it's unjust it's it's and it's and what's sickest about it is it's the manipulation of a massive body of people um many of whom would like to live just a regular life like i live my regular life um and it's a manipulation of those people for the very cynical cause of just trying to destroy the teensy weensy little ethnic protectorate that we have here in this region. Um, and so do I think that we can live, um, that we can find a humanitarian solution for these people? Yes. I, do I think it's important? Of course it's important. Do I think it's Israel's job and we should be beating our chest because we've been abusing people for 70 years? No, I don't think that. Thank you, Malka. Ariel, all you. Well, I'm not going to touch on the weird hogwash that is um, suggested that Palestinians who are indigenous and native to the land of Palestine should have Jordanian citizenship, even though they live in territory that is Palestine and controlled by Israel. But so because that, that's a little too odd to go into. Um, but so I, I will mention um, instead, of, I'll tell a, another story of the um, time that I have spent in Hebron, of which Melka calls a normal life. And I think there is nothing at all that is normal about Hebron. And most of the things that go on in Hebron are not normal. But uh, the last time I was there, I believe it was 2017, um, it was the summer and I was there uh, when settlers, and as Melka said, her husband is the spokesperson for the settler community of Hebron. So I do hold um, him in particular and her by association uh, complicit directly in this when settlers invaded and took over um, a Palestinian home. Now, it was a three-story, it was a home uh, right off of Shuhada Street. I can't recall the name of the street, but right right in the middle of um, uh, historic old Hebron. It was a three-story um, apartment uh, building, a building. And Palestinians were living there in the building. Israeli settlers invaded the building. It was a horrific and violent um, experience for the Palestinians that I that I witnessed with my own eyes. They dragged down uh, the steps of their own house and then basically uh, locked inside as it was occupied uh, by these settlers. Now, then the Israeli military comes in um, to protect the settlers, not to protect the family with children living in the home, not to protect uh, the, them from violence, but for, to protect the settlers in their quest 
to uh, take this home. And, and Malka talks about caring about uh, humanitarian, you know, having humanitarian concerns. Well, this was the, the military did not find any sort of humanitarian effort, but instead they they came in and secured the perimeter so that the settlers could remain there. And in the, uh, I believe it was the Israeli municipality brought in water, uh, a water system for the settlers and uh, children were brought in um, behaving incredibly violently encouraged by their parents. Um, I had, an, an, and I imagine uh, Malka knows her, Anat Cohen, who's a, a notorious uh, Hebron settler. She owns a cafe on Shikata Street. Um, uh, physically assaulted me. And uh, this property uh, continued being occupied by the settlers for an ongoing basis. Now, if Melka is going to talk about concern for the Palestinians, the first thing that was necessary to be done there was to expel the thieves from coming in and taking this uh, home and to protect the family to protect their physical safety, but that's not what uh, the situation there is. And, and again, I, you know, I take such issue with the word normal because there is nothing normal about a military occupation. There's nothing normal about over 20 checkpoints within a city where you have to give um, your, often you have to give a number that you've been assigned in order to enter and walk to your home. Where you have to get special permission to have family come and visit uh, where children have to go through on a regular basis in a terrifying um, experience. But, you know, the, what we have going on here is um, Israel has, has created for themselves a situation of one state. It is, in fact, now one state from the river to the sea where Israel controls all of the borders, including the siege around Gaza. So while the Palestinian Authority um, has, you know, plays a role in the West Bank, and Malka is correct, I do uh, take many issues with the Palestinian Authority and consider it a, a corrupt and uh, repressive uh, government, the Palestinian Authority has no control even of their own borders. Myself, who um, have been expelled by Israel, I can't travel in to visit my Palestinian friends. I can't travel in through Jordan because Israel controls that border. So Israel is the um, authority for all of these areas. Israel enters at will. Can you imagine here in the United States if another country came in and entered our country at will to arrest people, to raid houses, etc. So Israel is the main, the single state actor here. They are the controlling body. What we have here is a system from the river to the sea where one group is privileged over another, where one group has a set of rights that the other group does not have. We have two separate laws for two groups of people. And I don't know about Malka, but that's a violation of my Jewish values. Thank you. Uh, to address to, some of the things that Ariel said, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. I was just going to give a little summation, but go, go ahead. No problem. Um, I feel like I should have shut this down uh, faster, but since Ariel continues to like crazily smear a community of perfectly nice people um, and distort facts to like a degree which I find to be so cynical that it's like almost in bad faith, not almost. Um, I want to talk a little bit 
And this is going to be the only time I talk about Hebron, because while she continues to like attack and attack and attack one nice city in Israel, um, we're really here to talk about the rights of, uh, of the Jewish people to their own state. Um, I'll just say that 97% of Hebron is Yudenrein. Jews are not supposed to go in there. Um, every once in a while, there is a certain level of security which goes in to, to kind of patrol around the edges of this tiny little 3% area of Jews. And incidentally, most of the area which in which Jews are allowed, Arabs are also allowed. Um, here I am. You can see my background is the tomb of the ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah. And yes, the Jewish people share an ancestor, and that is Abraham, our father. Um, and the Bible also records that... Um, that even though we know that there is a, um, a struggle between Ishmael and between Isaac, that at the end of Abraham's life, when he passed away, um, Isaac and Ishmael came together and buried their father together. Um, the Jewish people called the city Hebron, which, uh, which means to connect, which means friend. The Arabs call it Al-Khalil, uh, Ibrahim Halil Allah. Abraham was the friend of God. We do share this city and we can share this city. And it's like, it's sick to me that Ariel would take a place, which is a, which is a tense city. Don't get me wrong. It is a tense city, but it's a place where, where the issues are really being worked on. You know, there is a lot of cooperation between Arabs and Jews in Hebron. There's a lot of good relations between Arabs and Jews in Hebron. Whenever Arabs feel that they are free enough to express their pro-Jewish ideas, I won't get into you with you. I won't get into with you how what arabs have to do to sell property to jews in hebron you should know that in the palestinian authority in hebron and anywhere else if a member of the palestinian authority would dare to be caught selling his property to a jew he gets life in prison with hard labor and that is after he goes to jail and is tortured we have seen this over and over again there are many arabs who approach the the jewish community of hebron saying we would love to sell you our property and they have to go through there's unbelievable crazy stuff that has to happen in order for an Arab to be able to sell his property to a Jew if he wants to. Um, my husband has friends in Hebron who are Arab and they want to take a picture with him, but they don't because they know that if the Palestinian Authority would see a picture of Ishai with this person, that that person would be taken into jail, just like Mohammed Jabri was taken into jail when he took a picture. Yehuda Glick, who is a Temple Mount activist and a former member of Knesset, came to show respect to the Jabri clan, to break bread for Ramallah, okay? Talk about Jewish people showing respect to, um, you know, other people who are who are here in this land, not making it all about, you know, uh, Jewish, uh, what have you called it before online, uh, Jewish supremacy, I think, Ariel, not making it about Jewish supremacy, but, but showing respect for Arabs and for Arab culture, coming to break bread in Ramallah. Mohammed Jabri took a picture with Yehuda Glick in his own home, breaking bread with Yehuda Glick, and he was taken into Palestinian Authority jail and tortured. The, the unbelievable audacity to suggest that the Jewish people are this like horrible, villainous, violent people when really the Palestinian people, the people who call themselves Palestinian are, are just are just like languishing under the thumb of the Palestinian Authority and how they wish they could just have regular relationships and how they wish they didn't have to hide their relationships with Hebron Jews. Um, I just find it to be like, it's bad faith. It's bad faith to describe Hebron that way. 
Um, and I think that this is the last we should discuss it because I know people didn't come to hear about Hebron, but they came to hear about the whole state of Israel. And that's what that's what I have to say about that. I think we I think we absolutely should be discussing Hebron. Your husband is the spokesperson for the Hebron uh, for the Jewish settler community in Hebron. The Jewish community. It's OK. You could say it. City. You could say it. It is. Jewish settler community, which is illegal under I guess you can't say law. It. But um, Hebron, Hebron is the flashpoint is a flashpoint city in the West Bank, a flashpoint city for violence, a flashpoint city for apartheid, and a, a showcasing of the most grotesque um, checkpoints. And I, I just wanted to arrest. I go through checkpoints to go to the grocery store. Just saying. Like, it's I not the craziest thing in Israel to go me, through a checkpoint. Let's, you, um, said, you said that uh, Jews and, and Palestinians Ariel, live side by side in Hebron? Yeah, yeah real quick, I, I just want to zoom out a little bit because we're we're getting to something, but we're, we're, we're getting there. Sure, so uh, I Marco, just want to point out um, to... Okay, fine, you finish, finish what you want to say. To what... What would be on Malka's, what would be on the right of viewing Malka's screen or on Malka's left otherwise is a walkway between a Palestinian neighborhood and where the Abrahami Mosque is. Now, is there not a concrete and fence barrier in the middle of that walkway, one side for Jews and one side for Palestinians, right there? I can't go on the Arab side, Ariel. You're making it out to be like Jews can go everywhere exactly. except for where Arabs are. Exactly. But Jews, you don't understand that the that the apartheid is against us. The apartheid is 97 percent. If you would go up to the top of Hebron and look out, you would see an unbelievable bustling city full of malls, full of, of um, you know, every kind of fun, every kind of nice thing, beautiful houses. You know, when my daughter had her bat mitzvah in Hebron right here in front of the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs, we wanted to make it really special. So you see right here, I'm trying to use the green screen, right here is a very nice family who's our friends, Arabs who live over there. And we asked them if they would do us a favor and shoot off fireworks for my daughter's bat mitzvah. And they said, we'll only do it if you if you let us do it for free. <laughs> Basically, they were like, we want to like take part in your celebration. You pay for the fireworks. We gave them money for the fireworks, but we're going to like shoot them off for you for free. And my daughter gave a speech all about Jew the Jewish connection to uh, the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs and to Hebron. And then we came outside Maratamachpelah, outside the tomb of the ancestors, and they called Ishai and they're like, now and he's like, not yet. And they're like, now. And he's like, not yet. And he's like, now. He's like, yes. And they shot off like an epic firework display. But you don't want to highlight the friendships in Hebron. You like the, the thought that Jews and Arabs would get together on anything in Hebron just like twists your insides because it it means to you that you can't foment like a hatred between Jews and Arabs, which is like a sick thing that it seems to me that you want. You don't want to hear about good relationships between Jews and Actually, Arabs. Actually, you don't want to hear about the things that work out. You only want to highlight how Jews are this like long fanged, like I'll take off my mipachat so you can see my horns, like evil entity, bloodthirsty. You know, maybe maybe it's something like your friend. You You interviewed this really nice lady. Uh, one time, her name is Manal Tamimi. Um, mm. You called her a Palestinian supermom. Here's what she puts up about us on Twitter. 
After, actually, you know, you're, that's your really good friend. What else? Actually, this, this is something my... else she put up. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to need to interject because we're not, we're not doing, we're, we're not doing character attacks here. We're talking about the issues. So let's, let's stick to the issues. I, I just want to provide clarity on, so, a, on a few things. Well, I, I, I want to respond Aria, wait, to about her Aria, friend. Fine. R respond real quick. And, and then I'm going to take a few minutes. Sure. Go ahead. What turned my stomach is the El Salamaya neighborhood, which is the neighborhood you're referring to when you pointed to your green screen, is fenced in by the Israeli military into a fenced in ghetto with a gate that is locked from nighttime until morning by the Israeli military with a buzzer that they have to ring in order to get out of the gate of the fenced in Only through one gate. They can go through the rest of Hebron just fine. Oh, excuse me. They can go all the way up the hill and all the way around, which especially for the Palestinians in Hebron who are disabled in the Al Salamaya neighborhood is especially uh, treacherous. And often school children cannot get out of that gate to get to school and are waiting at the gate in the morning for the soldiers to release them. That okay. is I think what we can move my on. stomach yeah. as a Jew. Let, let's... um. We won't completely move on, but but we're going to try to get more more clarity here. So, first of all, I just want to point out, Malka, you mentioned that we have a common ancestor that's Abraham, but we actually have more common ancestors that aren't often talked about. When the Jews were exiled two thousand years ago, the Jews that remained, many if not most of them, um, eventually became Palestinians. They they mixed with the Arab invaders but they're still of Jewish origin. So that's an interesting connection that most people don't talk about. Palestinians also have Jewish origin. Um, we don't have great DNA testing, but it is worth mentioning that we are cl closer related than most people wish, wish to recognize. Now, that's a side note. When it comes to the relationships between settlers and Palestinians, I love hearing about these stories that you shared, Malka, the, the good stuff that we hear. And I think um, settlers should have a moral duty to try to build ties with Palestinians. I think it's essential. I think as long as they're, they are living on the land, they should be building ties with Palestinians, treating them with respect, working to elevate them. That being said, that's a... Uh, person to person. That's our interpersonal connection with one another. Totally. There still is a, uh, a difference in how we, they are treated by the army and by the government. And this is something that doesn't seem to have such an easy solution. And I think that, and, and I think this is Ariel's main objection, regardless of the fact that there's still great connections between you and your neighbors. It's how do we have a situation where your Palestinian neighbors not only are your friends, but are your equals. And, and I think this, is, this, is, this question is why anti-Zionism today is gaining steam, because Zionists fail to answer the question for how we could have a Jewish homeland and our Palestinian neighbors can be equal to us. It's not an easy question to solve, but I think this is, this is what I'd like us to focus on. Um, do, do you have any ideas, Malka, for how we can make that a reality? 
Um, I have a few thoughts. Um, we'll see how... I'm sorry, Ariel, would you like to go first? I, I had a question for you. Do you believe that Palestinians should have equal rights? I mean, you have to d tell me what equal means and you have to tell me what rights means. Do I think that every human being the, should be treated with dignity and every innocent person should be treated with dignity? Of course. No. Nope. Should they be nope. made citizens of Israel? The same Is that what you're asking? Should the people who do not have citizenship be made citizens? The same citizenship rights as I have. With Is that what you asked? Equality because Palestinians. So citizenship, citizen citizenship. Actually more than that because Palestinian citizens of citizenship and more because Palestinians inside Israel also don't have equality, but should have equality, full equality. Arabs in Israel have have equality. Um, I don't know. I have like no earthly idea what you're talking about. We have we have Arab Knesset members. We have Arab Supreme Over Court justices. I got a very gentle breast exam from an Arab physician once. Um, Arabs have plenty of equality in Israel. Uh, I think that and I think that like if you would ask Arabs in Israel, they would just be like, what are you even talking about? Like Arabs are very successful. Bibi Netanyahu, who I know is like your number one villain on planet Earth just went to Nazareth and he like was met by a huge crowd of people who were talking about supporting him, right? Because there are actually Arabs out there who want part of the Israeli dream of freedom. But that's not what you're asking. Uh, I like how you stuck that in there, though. Um, what you're really asking me is, should people who call themselves uh, Palestinians be made citizens of Israel? No, I don't think that they should be made citizens of Israel. Um, I don't, I, and I don't think that it's fair to tie that in with the concept of human rights. Um, I think that you can treat apartheid. people with, uh, with human rights and not give them citizenship. That is not apartheid. Apartheid is when you have when, when like this person has a, there's a water fountain and only the Jews can use it and the Arabs can't use it. This is not apartheid. Uh, I think that the apartheid argument um, is a ridiculous argument. And uh, I don't think that anyone here is dealing with anything remotely like that. Again, what I would do if you're asking me what I how I would solve this problem, and I agree that it's a problem that needs to be solved and no one's happy. No one wakes up in the morning and goes, wow, you know, the Palestinian Authority, they're still not functional. And we have all this big uh, population of people and we don't know what to do with them and they don't know what to do with themselves either. Frankly, I'm really happy about that. No, nobody says that. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that just because people um, who hate Israel and want to destroy Israel um, tell us that this is like our thing that we did wrong makes it our thing that we did wrong. This is something Jordan did. This is something Egypt did. And this is something that they should be part of solving. And the only reason that they are not part of solving it is because they want to be part of the problem and they want Israel to be under the gun. Um, do I think that people who live in Judea and Samaria who are peace-loving people should be treated that way? A hundred million percent. I don't think that anyone deserves um, to be treated with violence who is not himself a, a violent person or a supporter of violence. Um, I certainly don't act that way, and I certainly don't educate my children that way, and I really don't know anyone who does. Um, and I think that, you know, when you talk about um, Adar, when you talk about the reason that people are anti-Zionist today and becoming anti-Zionist beca is because Israel is not acting appropriately toward Palestinians, I would I would take issue with that. I don't think that that's the reason people are becoming anti-Zionist. I think it's because they're getting earfuls of the kind of 
um, lies mixed with hate that people like Ariel are spewing in their ear and confusing them with disinformation. I think that most people who come to Israel, you know, incidentally, Hebron, Hebron is the capital of Judea. It is the second most visited site in Israel. It is um, a very popular place for religious people, non-religious people, Jews, non-Jews. Um, and I promise you that they're not watching um, Arabs in zip ties being taken away all day. It's a nice oh, place I've to seen, live for a I've lot seen of people. That. I'm sure you have, Ariel. I'm sure you've seen that. And I'm sure you think you Many tell times. people that it happens every five minutes. Right. Um, yeah. In conclusion, Adar, I think that that um, that we do have to treat people with um, with decency. I don't think the answer is to give them citizenship. You know, once the war on Israel was about shooting rockets at Israel. And when they saw that that didn't work, they they switched gears and said, well, you know, uh, we can't defeat Israel. So what we're going to do is just make them feel like really, really bad people. And we're going to suggest to them that the people who were attacking them like 42 seconds ago are now people that are not being treated well by them. And they have to be given citizenship and they have to be given what Ariel calls equal rights, which is basically control of the state of Israel. Um, and I don't buy it. And I don't think anyone else does either. Ariel, would you like to respond? Well, I don't think it's that they're being fed um, information. We just heard it right from the horse's mouth that all people born on that land, living on that land, um, indigenous to that land, all people under Israeli rule should not have the same rights. And actually apartheid has nothing to do with water fountains. Um, water fountains were an example of Jim Crow apartheid. Water fountains were an example of South African apartheid. Just because Israel doesn't have separate water fountains or uh, separate benches for Jews and Palestinians, just because instead they have checkpoints, they have separate roads, they have separate legal systems, they have separate walkways, does not mean it isn't apartheid. And so again, this is not, uh, Jews are not um, turning away from blind support for Israel and Jews are not uh, overwhelmingly beginning more and more to embrace Palestinian rights because of disinformation. You just told us exactly the information that turns Jews away from Israel, that you don't believe that all people should have equal rights, that you believe that demographics need to be controlled so that control can be made. Well, are you suggesting Israel that the Palestinians don't want their own state? Are you saying that they don't want their own state? And if you are saying that, the two who did you ask? Who made you the Israel. spokesperson for local peoples? You, you don't live here. You don't know the people here. You oh, don't ah. know what's going on here. You come in from your occupied house in Ithaca and you like white splain with your colonialist Western concepts of what governments and peoples are supposed to look like. And you think that everyone around here is like, it's like, it's almost like you're a Christian missionary. It's like you come in, we're the heathens. Okay. And you come in with your big holy Bible and you're like, come peoples, I will make you human beings. Let me teach you how to run countries. Let me tell you what governance should look like. Let me tell you who should live where. And I say to you, Actually, back up. you don't know what's going on here. You are not 
a representative of the Palestinians. You are, you don't listen when people talk. The Palestinian Authority is is constantly saying uh, that they want a two state solution. That they want a two state solution. They pay millions of dollars uh, every year to the families of terrorists. Um, there was a survey that happened in 2014 after Mahmoud Abbas passed that legislation making people who sell land to Jews. Um, punishable by life imprisonment. 65% of people who call themselves Palestinians in that survey by the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research in 2018, 64.4% said they support the death sentence for selling land to Jews. 87.8% said that Palestinians who sell land to Jews should be traitors, should be called traitors. Now, what you're telling me is that those people want to be part of the state of Israel. Is that what you're telling me? There's already one single state. Israel long destroyed the two-state solution. What I am saying, plain and simple and clear, if you cannot interrupt me this time, what I am saying is that all people living under the same government should have full equality with each other. Very plain and simple. And you said that I don't speak behalf of any, on behalf of anybody. I actually do speak on behalf of the group of Palestinians in your city, the Youth Against Settlements group, Palestinians who are indigenous for many, many, many generations uh, back in the old city of Hebron, Palestinians who are holding onto their land with every bit of determination, with every bit of samud that they have. I know you know where the Youth Against Settlements Center is, and I actually am speaking um, on behalf of them with their permission. And yes, they would like some equal rights and freedoms. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that Palestinians definitely do want a state of their own, but it doesn't, you know, two-state solution seems to be losing viability. So if they're not going to have a state, at the very least, they do want to be equal to, to Jews. Right, so. Well, I would say, I would say, Adar, if that's, I mean, first of all, again, and I want to like just remind everybody that there's a little thing called terrorism that Israel's had to deal with for the last 72 years, including wars mm -hmm. and things. And after 2000 years of getting our faces bashed in all the time, we're like still a little sensitive about violence. I think that if, that mm -hmm. if the local population would uh, disavow violence against innocent civilians and would just show themselves to be a population that is nonviolent. Um, I believe in Jews. I know what Jews are. Jews are merciful people. We're good people. Um, and anyone who really knows Jews knows that to be true. And I, therefore, I know that if that would happen, there would already be a very different atmosphere. Um, I also want to say that, again, I want to reiterate, because I think this is very important, that in a real, a real recordable, like, irrefutable injustice has been done to these people, which is that their citizenship was was stripped away from them, which is illegal according to international law. And I think that if we would return the citizenship, the Jordanian citizenship to the Jews live to excuse me to the Arabs living in Judea and Samaria, 
I think that would actually solve a lot because those people would no longer be stateless. They would be able to use Jordan as a home base. They'd be able to vote there. As everybody knows, Jordan is already almost uh, exclusively um, a place where people who call themselves Palestinians live, except it was, you know, the, the, the crown was given to like buddies of the British Empire. And that's basically the only reason that it's not a Palestinian state. And I say that this is, I can't call it simple and easy, right? Because we're never going to come to a solution and everyone needs to like open up their ears to this. Everyone, Jews, right, left, uh, haters, everybody. There's no way we're going to come to a solution, which is 100% beautiful. There's no way we're going to come to a solution where nobody gets hurt. It's not going to happen. Um, but what I will tell you is that the state of Israel um, and Ariel kind of implies it when she talks about Hebron and then immediately calls Israel an apartheid state, even though she she is so wrong about that. She nonetheless implies something which is very true, which is that the state of Israel really relies on the 600,000 Jews of Judea, Samaria and Eastern Jerusalem to be the forward guard of the state of Israel. Um, they rely on us to push forward um to help reclaim lands, to be strong in places where violence uh, would break out against the state of Israel. And, you know, there's a diplomatic wing which has to deal with the international community and the fallout from uh, haters of Israel around the world. Um, but there's also people on the ground. And, and one thing that is also very important for you to understand, and it might be hard to hear, um, but it's true, is that we're not going to stop. We are going to continue living in Judea and Samaria. We're going to continue living in our ancient ancestral homeland. We're going to continue visiting and being part of the burial sites of our ancestors because that's our right. And anyone who wants to live here with us in true peace, which means nonviolence, accepting this teensy, weensy, Jewish ethnic state, tiny protectorate of the Jews in this big scary world. If they want to live here with us and not threaten us, I think there's a way for that. I think there's a way open for that. I think there may even be a, a pathway to citizenship for some people who really, really want it. Um, but you know, there is the, the landmass of Israel is 22,000 kilometers. But the landmass of the Arab world is like 13 million kilometers. There's a huge Arab world. And you know, Ariel, you're not a capitalist, right? You're like a socialist or a communist. I'm not sure exactly or something like that. Like if one guy has $13 million and the other guy has $22,000, who's the guy who should be paying? I think it's the guy with the $13 million. And so I'm saying that it, I think it would be quote unquote easy or rather the easiest solution for Jordan and the Arab world to finally do for these people what Israel did for all the 850,000 Jewish refugees from Middle Eastern and North African countries who had to flee for their lives without any of their stuff and were treated very violently, speaking of apartheid. Um, what, you know, what Israel did for them, which is to absorb them and stop so, the conflict. So, let, so let's clarify yeah, again. Ariel, Ariel, I'm going to, Ariel, to Ariel, be expelled from their homes in Ariel, the West Bank. Ariel, hold on. I'm going to give you an to opportunity Jordan? to respond. I'm going to yes. give you an opportunity to respond. Just, we're, we are going to start wrapping up. We're going to move to the after part of the conversation. It's not over. Uh, whoever is here, yes. join our Discord. Discord is a place where we have dialogue around the clock about different issues, primarily primarily the Israel-Palestine conflict. And there's also a way to have voice and video conversations there. So anybody watching can join and speak with 
with Ariel and Malka in person. Share your thoughts. Ask them questions. If you don't feel comfortable using your voice, you can also write out questions. All these features are all in our Discord. Jesse, drop that link, please. Um, Ariel, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. In include in there your, your final thoughts, Malka, and then you could have final thoughts, and then we'll continue to the Discord. Great. I'll keep it brief. Um, I do not believe that Jews should be expelled from the land of Israel-Palestine, but I'm actually quite shocked to hear from you, Malka. I mean, I shouldn't be shocked anymore. You are part of the illegal settler community of Hebron. But um, I am a little bit, uh, still a bit shocked to hear you argue that Palestinians indigenous to the land with generations back from in the West Bank should be expelled to Jordan. And that is your solution. Um, and I want to say again, this is all very simple. Really, this is not a complicated issue. People living together in a, in a country under one, uh, under one government's control should have full equality, freedom, and justice for all people. And it is through full equality and freedom and justice that all of us are kept safe. And I will continue advocating for the safety of all people in Israel, Palestine, of all people here in the United States, where we have terrible, terrible problems with the rise of hatred and the right wing. Um, and folks can follow me on Twitter at Ariel, A-R-I-E-L, Elise, E-L-Y-S-E, Gold, Ariel Elise Gold. And you can also check out my work. I'm the national co-director of Code Pink. So you can check out my work for peace in the Middle East, to stop arming the Middle East, to achieve a just peace in Israel-Palestine, uh, to end the war in Yemen, and so much more at coaching.org. Thank you so much, Ariel. By, by the way, uh, all your contact information is in the description. If anyone wants to get in touch with Ariel, you can find it there, as well as Malka. Malka, final thoughts? So much. Uh, just to answer Ariel's question, um, I'm not talking about expulsion. I'm just talking about citizenship. Uh, people who can shown to be shown to legitimately own property, we, we need to talk about that. I'm talking about just giving people a citizenship again so we can stop talking about destroying Israel so that Ariel feels people are treated well. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I just want to say I want to um, and I, I want to end that part of my conclusion by quoting one of Ariel's big heroes. Um, Ariel, how do you feel about Ilhan Omar? Mm, big fan. Big fan. So I'm not, except for right this second, okay? On January 11th, which was three days ago, she put out this tweet. And I'm reading it word for word. Here it is. I even printed it. This is proof, okay? She says, it's not possible to unite with people who want to overthrow our government. No unity without accountability. Pass it on. And that's uh, just what I want to say about the idea of using these people yet again as a tool to overthrow Israel, to overthrow this tiny little precious little Jewish community that lives in the Middle East. You know, Ariel, she has not made peace with the idea that there's a Jewish state. But the truth is that there are a lot of people who have. We have the Abraham Accords, which really show that the world is tired of being fed 
this rhetoric which embroils them and makes them have to pay charity to people who just pay it out to killers who make them have have to support a cause that they no longer believe in and that they realize realize is not really a cause incidentally i want to throw in that a lot of palestinians are not indigenous at all in fact in 1948 when the united nations was determining who was a palestinian refugee who was an arab refugee from um, the lands that were then called Palestine, they measured back anyone who had lived in the land for two years or more. That's because of how nomadic people were. Um, so we don't know how many people were living there for two years, three years, six years, 10 years. This idea that we're dealing with, now I'm sure there are people who lived in Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years. And those people are people we need to respect and we need to discuss Hebron, with them how to... Uh, thank you. We need to discuss with them how to move forward. And if they really want to live in Israel, and this is really their indigenous homeland, then maybe there's what to talk about. But that's not really what we're talking about. What we're really talking about is making an issue out of a, out of something that didn't have to be an issue, out of taking a people and and allowing the Arab world for 72 years to exploit them and turn them into an attack dog against Israel. They're fed up with it. We're fed up with it, and there are solutions, but that solution is not destroying the state of Israel. I personally am very grateful to be living in the state of Israel. I feel such an honor and a privilege to be addressing all of you from, from here. I feel a total confidence in us going forward. Um, living in Israel is sometimes a bumpy ride, but when you get Jews who have been exiled from their land for so long and bring them all back to their soil and tell them, okay, figure out what Judaism is, figure out what living on the land is, figure out what being a country is, it's bound to be a little bit bumpy. I'm so proud of everything that we have accomplished and, and everything that we are, and I only bless us that we should continue in a great path and that Hashem should continue to be with us. Thank you so much, Malka. Three areas of common ground I've realized between you two. PA is bad. One state's the solution, although what that one state will look like varies. Human rights are important to what extent that varies, but there's something there. Thank Anyways. you so much, Adar. This was really, really fun for me. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a great pleasure having you both on. Uh, Friends, join the after party. Once you join Discord on the left-hand side, you'll see it says lounge. Click the lounge and you'll be connected with your voice. Um, you, it's up to you if you want to turn your video on. And then you'll see above it, it says lounge text. That's if you just want to type. I welcome you all to join. Um, also, if, you, if you're new here, subscribe and like this video unless you didn't like it. And then give us a down vote. And if you really like what we're doing, support us on Patreon. Our, our, port, our Patreon supporters allow us to continue to do this content all the time. We love you. Signing out. See you in the after.